The views and opinions of shows on KCNR are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of KCNR Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR, 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. We're going to have a really cool show today, you guys. I hope you enjoy it. In the studio here with me is Dr. Maximilian Malatki who is a board-certified plastic surgeon. Dr. Malaki and I are going to talk about plastic surgery, the motivations for it, your expectations. Uh, he's going to take you through a lot of the things he takes a patient through when they come in for a consultation of just talking to you about what plastic surgery is about and what it can do and what it can't do and what you could expect if you went into a plastic surgeon's office for a consultation. He's going to teach you some of the things that you should not see in a doctor's office that should not be happening, and if they do, that you might not be in the best place. But he's going to have you educated by the end of this show, and I'm excited about it because so many of my clients talk about having plastic surgery, but they don't know what to expect or they're afraid, you know. And so Dr. Malakian here talking about this is a true gift. And thank you, Max, Dr. Malaki, for being here with us. Yeah, thanks so much, Patty. I'm really excited to, uh, yeah, to help your listeners kind of understand uh, what it is, what it isn't, and how it may be an option for them or how it may not. Good. That's exactly what people need to know. So let's talk a little bit about why do people do plastic surgery? What are the motivations for it? Yeah, so plastic surgery is kind of a, it's a unique word because it means different things to all sorts of people. When you, you know, the general encompassing word plastic surgery can be referred to things like reconstructive surgery. So, Mm -hmm. and that can be based on, you know, traumatic incidents, car accidents, dog bites, um, you know, all, all sorts of burns, you know, anything like that. Um, or it can be cancer related, whether it's a, a large, you know, limb or skin cancer, you know, something on the face that might be disfiguring, um, or whether it's something like breast cancer, you know, obviously that can affect the body. Um, and all, all too many of us know someone who's probably been affected that and, and helping them get back to, you know, something that's a little more normal and feels a little more like themselves is really important. And then there's the other side of things, which is, you know, equally interesting and that's cosmetic surgery. Um, you know, doing things, you know, head to toe, basically, you know, we can, people always say, they come in and say, can you do this? And well, the answer is always yes. There's always (laughs) something you can do, whether you should or shouldn't, that's a different story. But, you know, doing things with the face as it ages, you know, um, again, maybe just altering um, the body's appearance, especially from things that naturally happen, the aging process of the breasts or, you know, the postpartum um, contouring of the abdomen. You know, a lot of intrinsic and physiologic uh, changes are reflected on the body's external appearance. And while most of the people I meet who choose plastic surgery are just normal, everyday people that are just saying, hey, I, you know, this is a byproduct of me living my life and having a baby or getting older. And I'm not trying to be different or change who I am, but I want to, uh, I want to feel as good as I can about myself. And part of what, part of that is what a surgeon might be able to do for them. And part of that is them going on their own journey. So. Yeah, exactly. And you and I have shared a lot of patients and I have several uh, breast cancer 
reconstruction patients that you made their journey so much easier because they, in not only dealing with cancer, they didn't have to deal with a disfigurement of mastectomy like they might have 10 years ago or even five years ago. And so um, you were such a kind person and that you not only did a beautiful job in helping them feel normal, but you you were really beautiful with them going through cancer. And then we've shared some traumatic victims like dog bites and a client that had, uh, let me give you an example. This is typical. Uh, she had four children. Her uh, And her lower abdomen ended up kind of hanging down and being in her way. It bothered her sexually. She felt really ugly. She felt like she was practically stuffing this piece of skin and stuff into her pants. Um, and she wasn't she wasn't some model or anything, and she was just a normal-looking woman, but it really bothered her. And having that fixed was a weight off her shoulders. Yeah, I mean, it can, again, all those things can be so equally powerful. And so I, you know, I tell everyone that when I first come in, it, it's it's about, when it's cosmetic surgery, it's about, you know, this isn't going to make you someone you're not. This isn't mm-hmm. going to change you into a, a, when we say model, hey. All the women out there are models, okay? (laughs) They're all beautiful. We model different sized things. That's okay. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. And the first thing, before you ever think about getting plastic surgery, you have to love yourself. You have to do that. That's very Mm -hmm. important. No surgery itself is going to help you to love yourself. So loving yourself and loving who you are um, is key step number one. Don't even bother going into a consultation if you don't love yourself. Right. Once you've accepted that and you understand this is my body, then being, you know, looking at it as a lifestyle and saying, hey, I'm going to be as happy and as healthy as I can be. And then two, realizing and not being apologetic. This is where some people have problems because I'll hear people, oh, well, just just get in the gym. Patty, just come on now. Yeah. Just, just put in the work. Start doing you know, sit-ups. All yeah. this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's like I know so many women who have worked their tails off, gotten down to, you know, a good, healthy weight and still, just like you mentioned, have that, you know, panis or, all. you know, we have all these really – disgusting names that we come up with. For, <laughs> the panis is that hanging skin down over. Yes, yeah, but there's yeah. all these other names. And, you know, again, if it's especially whether or not it's it's troubling them sexually or, or how they fit in clothes, there's a million reasons to want to do it. Just, you know, and again, you don't have to be apologetic for wanting to say, hey, I just I don't like looking at that in the mirror. Most of the time, um, again, especially in postpartum women, there's nothing they can do about that. Right. It's their, it's their natural anatomy that the skin is stretched, the muscle layer has maybe stretched, um, boy, when you have a baby, your your body goes into mom mode. It, it oh. stores fat in different areas, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's changed physiologically. We can look at that on the basis. It's not just oh, you're not working out hard enough, or you're not trying hard enough. Right. And that's part of the reason I love what I do. Most of my patients, for cosmetic reasons, which is most what I do now, um, they're moms and they work their tails off, and they're raising kids and raising husbands and all that. Stuff. <laughs> raising husbands, yes, yes. I mean, I could speak from that because my wife does a lot of raising husband for me. So. <laughs> I love your wife. She is amazing. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because there's that thing called the mommy lift, right? And I've I've had several clients that have looked at that. Um, it's a breast lift and a tummy tuck, and it's kind of a restructuring. Once you're done having kids, you're not going to have more. But it's restructuring the the catastrophic stuff that can happen from childbirth. And what I talk to my clients about, and this is one reason I wanted you here, is if your marriage is falling apart, if you hate yourself, if you think you are ugly, um, if you're trying to revamp your life by 
fixing something on your body. It's not going to work. And I'm when you and I were talking for this show, I am so thrilled that you actually do that with your clients, your patients, when they show up for a consultation. You're kind of trying to assess. Are you trying to save your marriage or, you know? Well, here's the deal, Patty. What what I want out of every one of my patients, I mean, again, I, I don't look at it as this is a surgery that I'm trying to schedule and book. I don't look at right. it as this is a, you know, a money that I'm trying to make. I mean, yes, this is my job, but the reason I love doing it is because you really can change people's lives. Yes. Now, what you said is 100% true. So that evaluations process, again, can start internally from the patient um, before they ever come in to see me. But yeah, I want to know how long they've been thinking about it. I want to know what their internal motivations are, because at the end of the day, all I want is happy patients. Happy mm-hmm. patients are the key to me being happy. They're the key to a good business. They're mm-hmm. a key to a good reputation. Well, yeah, and I get that because their motivation is really important. We're going to go to break in just a minute. When we come back, we're going to talk about how your motivations are something that are first assessed. Why are you doing this? Or what are you trying to fix or whatever, and it's related to your expectations of the outcome. And so when we come back, Dr. Maximilian Malaki, board... Just Max, just Max. Jay Max. I've known you forever, so I always call you Max. I have to slip. Uh, Anyway, Dr. Malaki, Max, is going to talk to you about expectations and realizing that he what he can and can't do a little bit with certain type of things. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about expectations of plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery, or reconstruction. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're listening to the beautiful Native American music of Randy McGinnis, award-winning Native American flutist, plays all over the world. Thank you, Randy, for allowing us to use your music here on this show. You can go to randymcginnis.com and check out all six of his CDs. They're beautiful, relaxing, and incredible music. Okay, I'm sitting here with Dr. Maximilian Malatke, board-certified plastic surgeon. And for those of you who are familiar with my podcast and have heard Dr. Richard Malatke, that's Max's dad. That's (laughs) right. They are incredible doctors in the North State community, and I just thank Max for being here with us to talk about plastic surgery, which he is incredibly good at. And people, we've shared many, many patients, and they all rave about him. Plus, I've known him since he was little, and he's an awesome guy. He was shorter than me when I first met him. Not anymore. (laughs) Oh, no. He's he's like very, very tall. Okay, so we're talking about plastic surgery, and... Max, what I really want you to talk about is the expectations people have when they come into you thinking you're, you know, first we talked about motivations. That was the first section. Now, expectations. What kind of outcomes can people expect and what, how do you deal with that? Well, that is the most important part of my job. Um, expectations are really everything when it comes to plastic surgery. And again, you mentioned it doesn't, it's not just cosmetic surgery, it's reconstructive surgery. Um, you know, setting that, and, and if you think about it, it relates to everything in our daily lives. Um, as human beings, you know, we wanted to, you know, roll out of our cave and find an egg and eat it and go back and sleep in the cave. And if everything went well that day, it was a good day. Now, when the saber-toothed tiger came or someone, someone, uh, the egg wasn't there, there was stress, there was anxiety, there was unhappiness, unrest, all right? So we like to have a plan and have it uh 
go through to execution and be uninterrupted. Unfortunately, life doesn't always roll that way. Um, you know, one of the things I like doing is woodworking and, you know, wood is still very unpredictable, but not nearly as unpredictable as the human body. So, and everyone brings their own set of genetics and predisposing factors and all that stuff. But when I when I meet someone for the first time and we're talking about a procedure, whether it's a breast reconstruction or a breast augmentation, facelift, neck lift, you know, liposuction, tummy tuck, you name it, tons of stuff. It's all about where they're at, how long they've been thinking about it before, um, you know, and again, what we talked about, why they're doing it. And then I want to see, well, what are you hoping to achieve by this? Um, Excellent question. Yeah, and people. M- most people are pretty reasonable. They mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm. I had these changes that occurred, you know, from pregnancy or I had a little weight gain for a while. I went through a stressful time and now I'm back on track. I'm back at my normal goal weight. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I've got this little excess or I've got this. I just want this to be flatter, this to be tighter. That's good. That's a good situation. You know, we can always make some sort of change. We have to obviously assess the risk factors as well. But um Having expectations that are realistic is, is hard because most people don't know. If you get on right. social media nowadays, it's like, oh, it's just you go in on your lunch break and someone <laughs> waves a wand and, and poof, you know, you, yeah. you, you have some picture. I mean, again, a lot yeah. of that stuff is, you know, photoshopped and, you know, it creates a lot of people that come in with un, un, unnecessarily with unrealistic expectations and it's no fault of their own. They just think, well, you can do whatever you want. We're just going to, you know, Toys R Us and we're going to pick up a, um, you know, a Barbie or something. Right. And, it's not and like I'm going to look like Barbie, right? It's not like Now, that. when someone comes in for a consultation and, and you're going to kind of look them over, um, I loved how you told me that you preserve people's modesty. They don't just stand there butt naked in your office embarrassed. You have your MA, a female MA in there with you, so they don't feel like they're in there alone with you. Um, you protect their modesty as best as possible without they disrobe as much as they have to, but you also keep the gown around their shoulders or you, you help them not be super embarrassed. Well, it's someone's coming into my office that's never met me before, usually women, sometimes men, huh. um, and they're going to talk about something that they're most insecure about in the most insecure way, you, uh-huh. know, you know, without any clothes on. Um, you know, you mentioned my dad's a doctor. I wanted to be a doctor ever since I can remember. I didn't know I was going to be a plastic surgeon when I first went to med school, but the first thing you learn and the thing that's ingrained into my head and the reason I wanted to become a doctor is these are people. Uh-huh. Um, they're not patients. I mean, they yeah. are, but they're people. Right. They have a, a heart and a soul and, and, uh, they're going through something. So I, I mean, I tell them right away, you know, Hey, I'd be, it's okay to be a little nervous. I'd be nervous if I was sitting in your living room with nothing but a sheet over me. Right. Um, and again, we try to let them keep as much of their clothes on as possible. I think that's something that should be ubiquitous. And I think most plastic surgeons, for sure, board certified plastic surgeons would do that. You know, we have a little bit of initial concert, um, you know, initial part of the consultation and conversation. And then, um, we go through their exam, which is necessary and very important to right. determining what is going to be realistic for them and what's not. Cause everyone comes in with different things and different measurements and different proportions. And so we have to see what we can do. But then the most, the majority of the consultation is done once they get, um, their clothes back on and then we were able to talk about it so that, yeah, we make it as comfortable a process as possible. Well, and I even like that you said, uh, you look things over what the body part that they need worked on or whatever. So you, you give it the physical exam. Then you leave the room. Your MA takes some pictures for the before and afters or just so you can really do the consultation if you need to study something. And then you come back in the room when they're dressed 
and talk to them about all the other aspects of this. I, I think that's wonderful that you structure it that way. And people knowing that you're going to do that makes them more comfortable to come in for a consultation. So that's what to expect when you go for an initial consultation. What kind of outcomes can people get? Like this um, mommy lift of a, a breast lift and maybe augmentation or reduction and a tummy tuck and things like that. Are they going to end up looking like they were 20 before two or three kids? So, I mean, again, where you start determines where you finish. Okay. okay? There are limits to what we can do. Uh, if you go on online or on Instagram, again, there's always something that claims to be the latest and greatest. They're always going to show you something. And, again, you know, if you have someone that comes in that has perfect proportions and, you know, has really worked hard on their body and lost a lot of weight, you really can make some amazing changes. But it's not something that we just do. I mean, I joke with everyone. I would trade my, you know, 16 years of advanced training, my board certification, all these accolades and, and uh, you know, thousands of thousands of cases that I've done. I would trade that in a heartbeat if I could just be Harry Potter. Because if you truly <laughs> could do that. You could wave your wand. That, you, yeah, it would be awesome. Everyone would be perfectly happy and all that. Now, you can still get the majority of people to be very, very happy if you set the expectations based on where they're at. So what we're trying to do, again, and when you say a mommy lift or a mommy makeover, again, people come in and they ask about certain procedures. There's so much nomenclature that's crossed over and, you know, been you know, basically just changed around over the years that you really have to talk to your provider about what actually are we doing? You know, when you say tummy tuck, you know, I do five or six different types of tummy tucks. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, what are we doing for you? We're removing excess skin in the lower dimension. We're, you know, liposuctioning some of the flank fat. We're going to be tightening the muscle. We're going to be, you know, moving and, you know, resuturing the umbilical um, area. So, you know, maybe yes, maybe no on all those things. Mm -hmm. You know, a mommy makeover usually involves the breast and the abdomen, but there's, you know, 10 or 12 different procedures that it, it can involve. So that's where you really have to spend time with the surgeon, you know, it shouldn't be something where you're in there, you see the surgeon for five minutes and he says, this is what he's going to do. Because the most important, like I said, thing is I got to understand where, where they're hoping to be. Mm -hmm. And then I got to combine that with where they can actually get to so that we can see if this is something that's going to be right for them. Because at the end of the consultation, if those things don't meet, they probably shouldn't have surgery, whether it's from me or from anybody. Right. And I, that brings up an important point too. I think when they come in, to a plastic surgeon for a consultation. It shouldn't be with the PA or the nurse practitioner or the MA. It should be with the doctor because you're the one that would be doing the surgery. No one else would be. Yeah, that's why, it, I mean, again, I'm not trying to, to tell you about how many years it takes, but it takes a long time to sit in that seat. That clinical judgment is the most important thing. The actual surgery part, yes, there are people that are better than that than others. There are people with better surgical skill, and that will translate to better outcomes, but doing the right procedure for each individual person is the most important thing, not just doing a procedure. Right. So this some I've heard of some clinics where you go in and they take pictures of you and then the computer regenerates what you're going to look like. And that's done basically with almost clerical staff or an MA or, you know, somebody that is not the board certified plastic surgeon. And that to me, if you're going to undergo an extreme procedure like what plastic surgery can be, you need the surgeon sitting there saying, this is what I can do with your body. Yeah, it's just. That brings up a whole other point. You know, it just becomes a little bit dangerous when you have things that are, you know, again, these computer programs that are designed to make it look as good as possible. And, right. again, it may 
start looking like that right after surgery, but then it may change in the first three months, you know, a lot, and you may not look mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. That can actually create unrealistic expectations. For some people, it can help. I think doing things like, you know, obviously with the with breasts, you know, putting things like sizers that they're considering implants or volume replacement. Um, you know, looking at before and afters from other people that may have a similar body type, mm-hmm. um, similar, you know, height, weight, mm-hmm. um, all those things are, are beneficial. But if you ever, if someone ever tells you this is what you're going to look like. Run. Yeah. They just, that's, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. You have to, what I think people need to remember, and it's what's important with your expectations, is that this is a, true surgical procedure this is not a simple little we're going to make a tiny cut here and a tiny cut there and you're you're going to be fine you're going to look awesome just like this computer generated model it's more more than that and they need to know that so any kind of thing they've read on dr google or friends that have said i had a friend who had a friend whose cousin went through this and this is what happened good stories and bad uh you need to know it might not pertain to you yeah, and that's just where again, I I I think the the process starts by gathering information, um, you know, assessing your own readiness for surgery, trying to understand you know what it is, and then going on multiple consultations. I I don't think, you know, I mean, if you do one and you feel great about it, and you meet um you know a upstanding doctor and he talks about your safety and and uh, you know really lays out what you're hoping to achieve and says, hey, these are the things, you know, again, if you think about it in general principles, you say, hey, we're going to try to make the stomach flatter and remove some excess skin, tighten the muscle layer to give you back a little bit more of an hourglass figure. Those are all general things that will happen. Mm-hmm. That, that will happen. But if you say you're going to look like this person, that will not happen ever. Right. So, so, you know, doing that all before you even go into your consultation, I think is important and that will set the stage and then being open in your consultation. If either party, the surgeon or the patient doesn't listen to each other, that's where the missteps happen. Yeah, I, I can see that happening. When I have talked to some of my clients that have really unreasonable expectations. This is going to save my marriage. I'm going to have my 20-year-old body back. I'm, you know, things like that. And I'm going, whoa, wait a minute. Let's talk about this. And I'm not even you. I'm just talking about the emotional end of it. Um, and, And then there's another piece to it, too. I've done a lot of gastric bypass evaluations and have had many, many severely morbidly obese people. I'm talking five and 600 pounders who end up losing Two and three hundred pounds, sometimes four hundred pounds. There's a whole lot of skin that's left behind on that. And what people don't always know is that sometimes reconstructive surgery is covered by insurance. And so when that those folds of skin are totally in their way of functioning, it might reconstruction might be covered by insurance. And like breast reconstruction after breast cancer is an insurance covered procedure. Yeah, definitely. There's uh, you know insurance companies are a whole nother story as well. So, you know, they don't, they don't unfortunately care about the patients as much as we do. They just Mm -hmm. care about their bottom line. But yes, there are things, especially, you know, uh, you know, breast cancer reconstruction, that's a no brainer. That is always covered. You know, Congress actually passed a law, things like the body contouring surgeries. There's certain ones that can be covered. Um, that's usually an uphill battle, but it doesn't hurt to to look at that. They just have a lot of very you know strict criteria um, mm-hmm. if you want to get something like a paniculectomy covered. Right. Okay, we need to go to break. And when we come back, Dr. Malaki is going to even be more clear 
about some of the things you need to know if you're considering plastic surgery. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty, and I am here with Dr. Maximilian Malaki, board-certified plastic surgeon. Um, so, Max, tell us some more about risks and kind of costs and what people can expect. Okay, well, there's a lot of different things that you can do. Again, when you go to see a consultation, you should, again, come in with some background. You should you should know a little bit about the areas you're trying to, um, you know, address. And then, again, some very basic but defined uh, things that you're trying to achieve. You know, if it's, you know, improving skin, you know, tightness or contour, you know, looking less tired, having the breast be lifted or fuller or bigger, you know, just generalized words that your surgeon can, you know, help start building um, a surgery for you that's going to address those things. Um, you know, the risks are going to be all over the board when you talk about, you know, surgery. It depends completely on what procedure, you know, something like a brow lift is going to be different than something like a labiaplasty. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to kind of talk about those individually. There's some people that are going, a what? A what? <laughs> yeah. We do everything. That's, that's Every the, part of the body can be can lifted, be fixed, tough. Remember, All if right. it can be, you can do it. So, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you know, um, you know, things like bleeding, infection, um, you know, asymmetries, you know, damage to adjacent structures like nerves. I mean, these are, you mentioned it, these are real surgery procedures. The first part of my consultation and the thing I tell every patient that comes through, um, my biggest priority is their safety. One B is their result. I wouldn't be as busy as I am if we didn't do a good job for people, but any, any surgeon out there who's not putting safety as the primary factor and who's, you know, maybe sacrificing safety to try to have a better result, that's not something you want because it will bite you in the butt. What are some of the things safety wise that are a risk? Well, there's a lot of things that people can come in and can do to decrease their risk ahead of time. Things like, you know, having a reasonable blood pressure, you know, in the acceptable range, you know, not smoking or not using nicotine, um, you know, getting their diabetes under control, you know, A1C less than seven, um, you know, decreasing or, or even stopping their alcohol consumption. Right. Um, you know, all those things, you know, are, are extremely important. The one that gets missed a lot that is a really big deal is elevated BMI. BMI is a, is a stat that, that means body mass index. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, um, calculation of height and weight. And it's not, doesn't tell the whole story on people because you can be, I mean, my BMI is overweight. So, um, and you're not overweight well, at all. Well, maybe a little bit after the babies, it's kind of yeah. get the dad bottle. When little. you were pregnant. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I gained more weight than my wife yeah, exactly. when you're pregnant. So, but yeah, it doesn't take into account muscle mass or bone density, but scientifically it's been proven to be an independent risk factor when that bmi gets over 30 um the risks start exponentially increasing there's and risks for what risks for wound healing infection um poor scarring um you know asymmetries all the things that we don't want you know i've seen and been asked to take care of people you know sometimes from you know out of the country that get mm-hmm. surgery or come back where, you know, they didn't care. The surgeons are saying, hey, you're going to pay us this amount of money. We're going to do a surgery and, and whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Well, that's real. 
That happens all the time. With I'd, really poor outcomes. Yeah, extremely poor. And mm-hmm. again, not just like, oh, the scar looks hideous. Like, no, they're in the in the hospital. Like, they're getting mm-hmm. IV antibiotics. Like, their skin is dead, needs to be cut off. Necrotic. And, Necrotic, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really scary. Now, if you're smart about it, if you have someone that's done, you know, years and years of training and you put safety first, those can be very, very much minimized. No one has zero risk for right. these surgeries. And so that's where you have to look at it. And you have to say, well, you know, this is something I want, but understanding the full risk and then balancing that, that's, you know, again, that's what we do in our everyday lives. It's always every day you get into the car and you assess risk and put your seatbelt on and go do what you need to do. Exactly. Um, so, you know, you get, you get kind of one shot, you know, at least here on this <laughs> earth and, and then, uh, you know, you have to, you have to make those choices for yourself, but being educated, understanding that is going to help you make, you know, an excellent choice, whether to proceed or not to proceed. And either one of those can ultimately lead to happiness. Yeah, and if you go to see a consultation with your plastic surgeon and you're someone who forms keloid scars, the big raised, difficult-looking scars, he needs, he or she needs to know that because you do a facelift or you do a breast augmentation or something, you may form keloids. Yeah, I mean, there's, genetics plays such a big role in, in you know, almost all the complications that we have. And so that's why, I mean, again, if you come to my office, unfortunately you have to fill out this big packet (laughs) before you ever come see me that tells all your health history, all this stuff. And the patients, you know, most of them are pretty good about it, but sometimes they complain a little bit. And I understand, I hate paperwork, but that's a bunch of breadcrumbs. We're looking at that. We Mm -hmm. go through that whole thing, fine tooth comb, and we're looking for any little thing that says, this is going to be higher risk. We need to change this. We need to look at this. You need to get your heart evaluated. We need to, you know, check your allergy, uh, all this different stuff. Um, and that's very important. You yeah, know, you again, don't want to be surprised after surgery with somebody. No. Yeah, that they no. didn't tell you, oh, yeah. and I'm allergic to anesthesia or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, you need to know. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a team effort. Mm-hmm. What we're doing, you know, for people, I tell, I tell everybody that, you know, I want to do my part and I will. I love what I do. I'm super, you say, oh, he's this great plastic surgeon. I don't know if I'm great, but I'm very passionate. Oh, you're, you're, and you're, you're so articulate about it and so passionate about it. Yeah, you I, re- just I re- do an it's, just, it's so much, it's so much fun to see that. I mean, I got, I got four different hugs yesterday from four <laughs> different people who are 12 weeks out from their surgeries. And it's like, that's the best thing. I go into my weekend, I'm on cloud nine. That's so awesome. yeah, it's, it's really, really, really fun, but minimizing those risks and stuff, you know, and then, yeah, the final thing that you mentioned cost. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about cost. So, you know, obviously there's like anything else, um, in our society, you know, we, uh, there's a capitalist system and there's going to be some uh, competition. Plastic surgery is one of the few things where the costs haven't increased as much as other things, you know, where a total hip joint may cost, you know, $120,000 now, even though insurance companies have cut that all down. Um, you know, things like cosmetic surgery are still um, a lot lower. Mm-hmm. Now, there's you're still going to find big differences. I mean, you go down to the Barry. I was talking to a, a nurse, you know, the other day, and her friend had had a procedure um, that was done down in the Bay Area, and I had just done a similar procedure on a patient up here, and you know, the cost for that patient down there was like forty six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I mean, that's I was like. What? I'm like, oh, maybe I should move to the Bay Area. <laughs> but, you know, the cost up here, you know, with the anesthesia and everything is like 15. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's still, that's a big procedure. You're talking facelift, neck lift, you know, brow lift, eye lift, um, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that was getting done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're going to see differences. And, uh, you know, if the market's there, it doesn't necessarily mean that that surgeon is better. It's just that's what the market will hold. Right. You know, if that's what they charge and people are paying it, that's going to define yeah. the market. Yeah, the market bears that. So, that. you know, I would recommend anybody, if they're considering doing this before they go into a consultation or even before they set up a consultation, it's fine to call, you know, the offices of the surgeon you're, you know, talking about seeing. Um, ask for some um, ranges yeah. over the phone. And, uh, you know... Do that to a couple different places. You know, again, hopefully they give you what they're actually going to, you know, do it. They don't have to do that. But, but you know, if you call my office, they will. They'll tell you, yeah. hey, this is exactly what our range runs. Obviously, there right. is going to be a difference between each person because some surgeries, you can do a, you know, breast lift on two different people. And one's going to take me an hour and a half and the other one's going to take me three and a half hours. Because yeah. the breasts come in different sizes and shapes and all that stuff. So, you know, it's a little it's a little bit different as far as how much work there is. But, you know, looking at those ranges and knowing that beforehand well you can start planning again that brings us back to human beings we're planners we want to know we don't like mm-hmm. surprises right you should get a consult or you, after your consultation you should get um uh you know an evaluation of all the costs you know and basically a quotation that includes things like the surgery center fee the anesthesia fee right. the surgeon fee and then any other costs like implant costs or anything else that's going to be right. you know part of the patient patient responsibility but that's something you should get and that's what it should be there shouldn't be hidden fees we're not a you know it's not a telecom company here right. we're not selling right. cell phones so <laughs> right. um yeah that's that's a very reasonable thing you know to expect in general single procedures um you know whether they're talking about like a breast dog um you know a neck lift you know something like that those are probably going to range between three thousand and about eight thousand dollars um you know from the surgery fee the uh you know anesthetic and the facility fees are going to vary widely depending on what what they've done i've seen different anesthesiologists charge anywhere from five hundred dollars an hour to almost you know twenty five hundred dollars an hour so you know that's kind of good to know hey where where are we at on that and again mm-hmm. you should get a you should get a copy um, from your provider before you ever make the decision for surgery good because i and i'm glad to hear you say that because i have had clients of mine who say I thought it was going to be $7,000. And then there was the surgery center and the anesthesiologist and the this and the that. And I ended up with a whole bunch more charges after that that I didn't know were coming. And that's not complete disclosure for them to make a decision. I love it that your office tries to say, here's the whole thing, what what you can do, what we can expect, and what it should cost you. Well, again, that's getting what you expect is what leads to happiness. Happy patients makes everybody happy. So that's all yeah. That's all we want. I think most, again, board-certified plastic surgeons will do that. There's a difference. There's uh, all different types of, types of training out there. And hopefully, you know, the providers are just honest about their training. You know, did they do one year or three years or, you know, in my case, six years in plastic surgery? So, you know, it, it makes a difference. I've seen people that maybe had less training that are good, and I've seen people that had a lot of training that aren't good. So right. it's a when you do your homework, which is the slogan we like to say, it's a it's a whole bunch of stuff. It's talking to the provider. It's it's looking at reviews, talking to other people that may have had surgery. You know, looking at before and afters. You know, those are the things that uh, are going to help you make a decision on whether this is the right provider to do your procedure. In the last minute we have before we go to break, tell us what board certified means. 
So board certification is a process by which all different doctors of different specialties can be evaluated by a peer of their, um, you know, of, of, of like-minded specialists. Um, and they decide whether or not they've met the criteria, they have the experience, and they've actually demonstrated on a clinical level that they're they're ready to be part of that group. There's the American Board of Medical Specialties. Um, the American Board of Plastic Surgery is the only plastic surgery board that's certified by the American Board of Medical Specialties. So, um, you know, I think looking for board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery is an important trait. Um, but again, that's that's just one piece of the puzzle. So, you know, you have right, to look but at it's, everything. It's important to know the difference. A, it is. A person with a medical degree can hang out a shingle and say, I'm a plastic surgeon. Yes, they um, can. Uh, an eye doctor can do an eye lift. I mean, there's things that you don't have to be a board-certified plastic surgeon. So it's important for people to know. Well, my dad could do an eye lift. That's a real scary thing. <laughs> Your father could do anything. <laughs> He's probably listening. Hi, Richard. All right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up what Dr. Malaki is talking about. So you go away from this show really well-informed about plastic surgery. We'll be back in a minute. Convert. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and I'm here with Dr. Max Malotke, board-certified plastic surgeon. Max, could you take us through, just for a couple minutes, somebody walks into your office, or they call your office. They say, um, how much do you charge for, I'm thinking about getting a tummy tuck. And your front office can say, well, the range is generally, but you won't know until you actually see the doctor. Then they fill out a whole bunch of paperwork. Um, then they come in and see you. Take us through a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, again, if they, a little bit of homework and stuff before where they're, you know, filling out that paperwork, assessing their own risk factors, assessing their readiness for surgery and, and any of the other things that we talked about. Um, and then, yeah, they come in to see us. There's going to be obviously just like any doctor, there's an intake, height, weight, blood pressure, all these things that, again, are necessary part of assessing, you know, readiness for surgery. Um, they trade into a gown. Um, before the surgeon comes in, at least in our office, they, they watch a slideshow of, of other before and afters of people who, again, have given consent to use their photos. Um, and then, you know, based on the procedure that they've listed on their intake form, sometimes they come in and it's like they want to talk about everything, which is fine. But try to ask them to limit it to maybe two to three things. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I spend an hour with people. I, again, I, I almost think that's not enough because it takes that much time. And then, you know, the first thing I talk about is safety. Um, I like to talk about how their risk factors in particular are going to help or hurt us. Um, and then we do go through that exam just because we want to, again, we want the patient to be as comfortable as possible, and that's the most uncomfortable part. So we like to just kind of get that out. We have a female chaperone in there. Uh, we're taking measurements. Um, I'm helping explain to them how their specific anatomy is related to what what uh, they're wanting to achieve and what's going to be, you know, work well for us and what's not going to work well for us. You know, understanding that is, is really important. So you're trying to set reasonable expectations right there. We're, the whole, again, the most important part is the expectation. Expectations. So assessing where they're at, their readiness for surgery, and discussing the safety. But then it's all about starting right from the beginning and showing it on their own body. There's nothing better than that. Mm -hmm. The reason we do end up taking photos, again, I step out of the room and my female MA takes some photos, is specifically for the operative planning. We can actually transpose those measurements um, you know, onto the photos, do some math sometimes if we need to, especially for breast stuff when we're planning, you know, nipple location and size and implant volume. Um, 
but then to sit back down with the patient is not, again, the most comfortable thing to look at pictures of yourself, but to see, oh, yeah, my breasts are a little uneven or, yeah, my hip does stick out to that side or I do have a hip dip or my butt is a little flat here but not. Um, again, and we only talk about what they're wanting. I'm not right. here to – I don't – you know, people ask me that all the time. Do you just walk around looking like, I could do this, I could do that, you know, she needs this, she needs – no, I, I don't. I know for a fact you don't do that because you don't do that to me. <laughs> oh, come Max on. always makes me feel like he totally loves me for exactly who I am. And he's seen me with makeup, without makeup, with my hair looking gross. And I am not perfect, believe me. And I have never, ever sensed any kind of judgment from well, you. I, and I love that. And there shouldn't be any judgment from anybody, okay? I agree. Um, but, you know, that's the, I got the first thing. And, the, and what I do, and I tell everyone, we go through all that, and I say, guess what? You're normal. Yeah. You're, no one's perfect. Right. You know, when you see these, you know, if they bring in the Instagram picture and I'm like, well, how many, you know, what? Oh, they got they got 30 million followers. Like, no, there's probably a reason they get paid, you know, this much. They they. God just decided to give them a little something extra, a little bit better symmetry, a little bit this, a little bit that. But none of us are, we're all made from the same thing. We all, you know, put on our shoes. I'm going to say all those darn cliches, you know. Yeah. And uh, Everybody's skin every, and bone. Everybody's skin <laughs> and bone. Again, when you cut them open, they all look the same. I bet. No, everything looks the same in there. Everyone's got muscle and fat. They all bleed, all that stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, we don't treat it any different from that standpoint. But, again, Understanding, accepting, and loving who we are and where our bodies are at, that's an important part. And again, sometimes my happiest, biggest successes are when I get someone in there, we talk about it, they cry, and or, or, or not, and we say, you know what? You're good. You don't need anything. Yeah. I, I almost look at it as like, I'm in there trying to talk them out of surgery, and if they still want it when they're done, I know it's going to be and great. And here's Patty Bay's card, because yeah. you need to start there. <laughs> well, sometimes we do have that, and again, yeah. that's, a, you know, that's a whole other story to, um, entirely, and unfortunately, we do see that. There's a whole set of, you know... Uh, you know, mental disorders where that focus on things like body image. And those can be very, very um, destructive, very disabling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if, if your surgeon um, asks you about certain questions and, you know, asks if you, you know, perseverate on this and focus on it, if it affects your daily life, you know, their concern is for you. And, you know, it's hard to make people see that always, um, you know, because occasionally we have to have those difficult conversations and say, hey, Right now, the best thing is to work on, you know, the mental aspect and work on the upstairs and how you see yourself and work on loving yourself. And then there might be something we can do physically, surgically that, you know, is going to benefit you. But but no, I mean, if 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 there's there's issues with some other stuff. And again, these are these are disorders that people can't just wish away, you know. Yeah, you can't. Mental do health a breast issues. augmentation and fix a mental health disorder no. or fix your marriage no. or fix None your childhood that. trauma None or a race stuff. that you were raped or molested. No. It isn't going to happen. And that's, you know, again, that, you know, something like breast cancer. I'll use that as an example. You know, the biggest struggle, and I love doing breast cancer reconstruction just because it's such a privilege to work with these women. They didn't ask for that. They're just unlucky. Um but if we save their life and we can get them to look semi-normal again, that can be a huge thing. And it can help them move past that mental thing. But yeah. I've also seen people that have had, you know, 10 reconstructions at Stanford and UC San Francisco and Mayo Clinic and, you know, fly across the country and and it's still just not right. In their head, the problem is it's never going to be right. They're never going to have their normal breast again. And that's really sad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes not doing surgery is better because each time you go under the knife, you are taking risk and you are doing that. So working on the mental aspect of it before you ever consider surgery is, is really important. Back to the consultation part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after they take those photos, the patients get dressed. Um, you know, we come through and again, then we start, I start laying out a specific plan to address what things we can address. Mm-hmm. Um, also talking about what we can address. That's just as important. Um, goal pictures or whatever you want to call it when people bring in pictures of, of other stuff, that's okay because sometimes it gets us on the same lingo. I've had a lot of breast augmentation patients that say I want a really natural look right. and then they show me five straight pictures of adult female film stars. So, <laughs> Which might, I, I, I guess I disagree on the, the term natural at that point. but They want big, huge double G's. Well, <laughs> and really, but really natural. Really natural, Patty. Yeah, so, really natural so, double G's. you know, again, the whole conversation is making sure that both the patient and the doctor get on the same page. Again, lastly, we go through all those risks and benefits, and it's a lot. It's a laundry list. You know, at the end of it, they, you know, again, if they're not, I don't want them to be scared, but they should be very serious about this because it is very a well informed. Yep, very well informed. It's and a then very you ask them to thing. go home and think about it and let you know. Right? Absolutely, we don't sign anybody up the same day. Good. People come in and ask for that. I, I don't do that. Um, a lot of places, and again, if you go to a place and you feel pressure to be booking your surgery the same day before you leave, ooh, 15% off if you book right now, that is not good. Or if they upsell you, Max, because yes. there are some plastic surgeon goes, hey, we could fix that nose for you too. You know, right. they, And Max doesn't do that. He's not looking at your body going, well, they, she wants a breast augmentation, but boy, she should have a facelift. Well, <laughs> he doesn't you, do that. No, that's how you create unhappy patients, though. Yeah. You know, again, the, the realistic happy patients that have something specific that they're looking to change that, again, you know, they, they don't have to apologize for. You don't have to apologize for being a mom and having a little mom pooch. That's yeah. That's what you did. You, you've sacrificed your body, your time, your mental energy, and now it's time to do something for yourself. That's exciting. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I get to see these moms after they're, they're gone through everything and gone to the other side, and it's totally worth it. So anyone tell, that tells me, oh, cosmetic surgeons, you know, you guys, you just are about making money or you don't really care. I mean, that's BS. You know, I've seen lives that you've transformed, Max, with people that really needed help. We've shared some dog bite clients that... We're disfigured by dog attacks, uh, breast cancer patients that you have helped find their center again because they, the, the statement you made when we were talking was that often physical scars are representative of their mental scars, their emotional scars. So we take a dog bite victim who you help do reconstruction and really minimize that scarring. Can you make it like they've never had a dog bite? Not usually, but you can. Not ever. <laughs> yeah, but you minimize the horrendousness of the scarring and that helps calm the mental scars so when that person looks in the mirror they don't just see dog bite they might see some healing and some lighter scars or something like that but anybody that would tell you you are only a plastic surgeon for the money first off doesn't know you and secondly does not fully understand what plastic surgery cosmetic and reconstruction why it exists and why it can be necessary. And, of course, there are people that go through vanity procedure after vanity procedure. They're chasing some kind of idealistic body. And you see them, too. And you you probably decide at some point, enough. This oh, is yeah. starting to look sick. No, sometimes <laughs> I get them after they've already had a bunch of stuff. And, again, then my best job is just mm-hmm. is just talking to them, um, 
you know, helping them understand that they're beautiful where they at, that they're starting to, you know, again, we all know those celebrities that they just, you know, it's, it's like, what did they do? You know, oh, they yeah. don't look normal anymore. They don't even look like and, themselves. And, you know, again, plastic yeah. surgery and is not the pursuit of perfection. It's the pursuit of the beautiful normal. And most people, that's what we want. We want normal form and function, you mm-hmm. know, as, as close to it as possible. You can't always have that. And if, if you're, you know, again, if you have your breast, you know, mastectomy for cancer and, and you're only ever going to accept, you know, a, the perfect natural breast, I, I hate to say it, but you're going to be searching for that the rest of your life. Yeah. So, you and know, chasing plastic surgeons who will do and redo and redo and yeah. redo is not healthy. That's when you need to be in therapy and working on this. Yeah. All right. We're going we're gonna to need to wind up. I, I think Max and I could sit here and talk about the subject for about three hours. I hope that today um, Dr. Malaki has really helped you know what to expect more. Yeah, and, you know, again, going online, looking at different things. Obviously, if they want to look at any of our websites, you know, like mm-hmm. summitplasticsmd.com is where we have a bunch of before and afters okay. and some education. And then also our Instagram is plastics underscore MD. Um, and so, you know, those can be useful teaching tools and educational factors. Um, but obviously, that's just a start. Everyone is has their own journey. Exactly. Dr. Maximilian Malotki, board-certified plastic surgeon. Max, I want to thank you for being here today and just being so informative and candid and willing to share what you do with the public. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty, and you've been listening to Therapy in a Nutshell, where I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.